am um, definitely intrigued. I don't like, let me preface that. Let me say it again. I do not like Rachel, but I am intrigued by Rachel's character. And I'm very curious as to what the hell she is looking for at this point. Um, because I think the story has set it up in such a way that it can't just be so simple. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages? Welcome back to the AOA show. I'm your host, as always, Ian, along with my boys, Isaiah. Yo, yo, yo. And Gavin. What is Gucci shoes? I'm, using, I'm literally using that for the rest of my life. I like so. it. It's a cool one. You can, you can always Good. cycle through your intros. You know what I mean? Like, mine have to be relatively similar because I'm introducing yeah. you, but you go nuts, man. Uh, like, my aspirations you be like Lil Dicky. So, like, every time, <laughs> it's just, like, something different and random. Like, I don't care. My aspirations to be my like Lil Dicky. Dude. Yeah, that's good enough. He's yeah. funny, man. Anyway, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Tower of God, of course. We're currently on season two of the Webtoon. We just finished reading chapters or episodes 140 to 152. If you missed our live stream, you definitely want to go check that out because some bombshell things have happened in these uh, couple of episodes. Our reactions were something to behold. Chat was going wild. Mm -hmm. Crazy stuff to talk about. But we're really excited to get into all the deep dive analysis points that you guys have purveyed via the Discord today. And thank you for that. Uh, remember, though, if you guys enjoy the content today, make sure you guys are liking, subscribing, hitting the notification bell, sharing mm-hmm. with your friends, and commenting your thoughts down below. What did you think of our discussion today? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Civilly, of course. Uh, what did you think about these chapters? What do you think about Tower of God as a whole? Make sure you guys are also referring to the description where we have links to our merch, to our Patreon, if you want to support the channel directly and get exclusive benefits to the show, or rep some sweet AOA swag. You could also check us out on our audio-only platforms like Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, etc. Also hit us on those socials, whether they're personal or for the show, so you can keep up to date with what is going on. Be in the know. And obviously all of these links, all these um, places you could go, it's a click away. It's a click away. It's all in the description. And like I said before, huge shout out to the Discord, which is also in that description, and the people that put their ideas forward and have a huge key, Mm -hmm. or a huge key in the participation and growth of this channel, quite frankly. So huge shout out to all you guys, to mods, to everyone who chips in and helps support the channel and be a part of that conversation. So definitely click. It's a click away. We're happy to have you guys. It's it's funny. Usually in the Discord, I'll like, after we finish the live stream, I'll throw like a question in there about like oh what, what was your guys favorite parts of the sure, chapter sure. so like get the conversation rolling but like this week dude the chat <laughs> Discord was going off before i even got in like, up. Yeah. all right it got to the point where i had to respond and even yeah, i yeah. forget somebody was like oh lord haven's talking we got to be good and i'm like all right everybody y'all are beautiful in your own way stop fighting and then they just went right back to fighting it was absolutely insane it was mayhem yeah, today was um awesome. so with that being said we have um i believe seven talking points today now like Isaiah just said, y'all went off with your opinions, and that's good. Definitely keep on being vocal so long as you're civil about it and respectable to other people um, and their opinions as well. We obviously couldn't get every single topic um, you know, of discussion that you guys put forward just for time constraints. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't lie. It's, it's, it's a full day, Sundays, between yeah. the streaming itself, the actual recording of the discussion with all the setup involved, and then the editing afterwards. It's, it's a lot of work, so we don't want to be here forever. So we took what we deemed out of all the points. We put them together. We saw what was synonymous across multiple different opinions and people. And then we took those, and we kind of trimmed a little of the fat and 
compile what we believe are some of the most key points out of the things that you guys put forward. So please don't be offended if we don't hit a point. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, in the comments, I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, you forgot about this. We most likely didn't. We just, you know, had to conserve time and and pick and choose what we wanted to talk about today. But you Mm -hmm. could catch that live stream and see all of our reactions to it. If you were curious to get our thoughts on a specific topic we didn't talk about today. But anyway, I'll shut up. Let's get into this episode. And the first thing that we want to talk about here, uh, let me scroll through. Um, If my phone decides to load. (laughs) Sick. Um, We're going to talk about Rion. Um, uh, Rion, I believe, is the name, right? Yeah. And uh, Daniel's obsession with reviving her. Why did she die? Daniel's dead. Yeah. So there's that as well. Some pretty wild things got put forward. Uh, His necromancy ability makes total sense now. Um, But yeah, what do we think about Rion? Who is Rion to Daniel and the old crew being Akka, Boro, etc.? Why does he want to revive her? What are our thoughts on that? Isaiah, go ahead, because I don't want this TV to look like crap if it's on Gavin, so I'm going to fix it real quick. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Keeping Um, it honest. So, yeah, I, 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 to be honest, like, confusion is kind of the first thing that hits me, because, Mm -hmm. so, obviously, Boro, uh, Akka, and Daniel, um, like, were part of a a squad, you know, before, I guess, like, some years ago in the tower or whatever, Um, and I kind of feel like maybe they even had the same, like, vibe or the same connection uh, that, like, Bam and his, his squad have. Uh, where they were probably, like, really, really close. And then something happened to them when they got on this hell train um, because I believe the fourth member of that squad was Rion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that whatever, through whatever circumstances, it kind of instantly vibed with me about, like, the... Um, not to be that guy that relates everything to Naruto, but, like, <laughs> like the Kakashi-Rin-Obito thing sure. where Daniel blames Boro and Akka for Rion's death. Mm. But I, I kind of feel like it's not as simple as that. And sure. I kind of feel like, if anything... She died of she died from doing something or trying to defend one of them or something, and his, you know, his claim or stake to them letting her die was like, uh, like maybe he had feelings for this girl, right? And so to regardless of what the cause and effect was, him watching her die like was was too much for him to be able to bear. And I believe that he, after that happened, went in pursuit of um, this person, you know, the guy who they refer to on, on the hell train, which mm-hmm. we know is. Um, Hoquin, 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 yeah, the uh, other demon, yeah, the other Mm -hmm. Slayer nominee, in in hopes of bringing her back, but for whatever reason, it didn't work well the first time. I guess because he got sealed away. Um, So regardless, now it's left a divide between this this squad here, where Daniel is like, well, how could you guys give up on her, whatever? And for whatever reason, Boro and Akka, um, and I think that might be because remember a couple chapters earlier, we see that obviously they had a fault, like you know. Regard the whole squad is no longer together, right? So I think this death, Ryun, is kind of like the center of their team. And after she died, it split everybody up. But it sort of obviously put a much bigger barrier between Daniel than it did uh, Akka and Boro. Sure. Um, so I think she's one of the the squad mates, and I think that, you know, like I said, that there's some bad blood between the three of them after her death, and that's sort of what's spun all these events into place. Absolutely, Gavin. Yeah. What do you think? Um, honestly, my thoughts don't stray too much from Isaiah. Um, again, obviously, Akka caught himself when he said, like, we were friend. Oh, I should say comrade. You know, like, I friend isn't really the term that they should use anymore. So, obviously, they were all close. Her death, whatever events happened that led to it, obviously rattled their friendship. Bad blood. Dan had bad blood com- uh, with his other friends. They broke off. And it, what's kind of weird is, I guess, after that initial separation, they went their own way initially because even they said that um, both Akka and Boro, I don't think they were actually present for Dan's death. 
because Aka made a comment where he's like, yeah. oh, I heard down the line oh, that yeah, Dan yeah, yeah, died, yeah, right, yeah, and right. I haven't seen, like, that was a couple hundred years ago or whatever, so I'm wondering if it was, like, right after that death, they all kind of parted, and Dan, like, stayed on the hell train or something, and, like, yeah, almost like, made, like, a deal with the devil type stuff. And like, and, like, definitely resurrect her or something. Exactly, yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah. I'm curious when he does, I mean, obviously they're going to get the other, um, Hoquin or whatever that de- the Slayer nominee is. Obviously, they're going to resurrect him. That's like the next plot point that they're leading up to. And I really wonder what's going to happen with that interaction. If he is just being manipulated at the end of this, like she's really not going to get back. And then he's going to have a realization of everything that he has. All the decisions that he has made leading up to this point were really just for nothing. And like were manipulated and manifested from Fug and he was just being used. And that's where I feel like his character's point is going to be reached at. I don't know. We're going to see, but I'm definitely excited to hear back from him in the future and see if he has another churro up his sleeve. Because <laughs> let me tell you, they, look, they look delicious. He did not there. bite on one churro in this whole set no. of Yeah, yeah I know. He got I mean, really he a little serious. Busy. <laughs> yeah, he had to get serious this time. He does that when he's like steady talking-ish. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like, oh, munch on this churro. I don't even have to try. And he's like, all right, put the churro down yeah. real quick. Like, <laughs> and then bam, slaps <laughs> things, are, yeah, things are getting a little real right now. So anyway, next talking point that we wanted to go over was uh, Wang Nan, who has evolved into Ash Ketchum. Um, and <laughs> Ash Ketchum, who beat the, the Pokemon League, Ketchum. Yep. Um, I love this this style. I love Wang Nan as a character, just in general. But mm-hmm. every single time this man comes on panel, I like him more and more. And just his fighting style, in general, to me, is just so awesome. Like... Oh my god! I just love how he has this like gadget belt of different things to use at the different times. I love how he has to utilize the weaknesses mm-hmm. of like whatever opponent he's fighting, or at least research it and then use those disadvantage, but still utilizes them with the teamwork. He's just so awesome, dude! And I love this whole scene where he fights Casano mm-hmm. uh, with Jan, who, by the way, I don't want to you know discount. She did a lot in that fight as well, yeah, and she's did. come a long way. And just seeing all these people, how far they've come over this year has been pretty amazing. Prince and Misang, to name a few as well. Misang was huge in the in trying mm-hmm. in figuring out the Guardian's weakness, yep. who, by the way, it's like they put all of their DPS people in their raid team <laughs> against the dude, but that doesn't work if he's invulnerable. You know what I mean? You yeah. need that, you need that eye in the sky, you need that scout, you need or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. not literally in the confines of the tower of God. You get my point though. Like you need that person with that eagle eye to be like, no, 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 no. You guys are pointing this in the wrong direction. Now go, right? Yeah, 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 and they were able yeah. to beat it, which was crazy because it was like, you know, you get Ram getting slapped around, Akko had his hands full, whatever. Um, but anyway, so getting back to Wang Nan though. Loved, loved, loved this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very excited to keep on seeing his growth and his fighting style as it as it proceeds. Mm-hmm. Um, he is just absolutely my favorite character yep. of, of this season and just yeah. in general. I don't know if you guys have thoughts on this. Yeah, I definitely, I think it was a very, you know, one of the things that people say about uh, Wong Nan's introduction into the story is that it was very ballsy of SIU because mm. he gets introduced in the beginning of season two, and he basically for a while takes center stage as a new main character, yep. mm-hmm. which is a very ballsy thing to do in your story considering that we just basically got to know who the fuck Bam was, and now <laughs> sure. he's gone. Um, and now we're like, wait a minute, who the fuck is this dude? Um, but he has 100% in the time that he's, you know, that we've got to know him and stuff until until now, easily become one of my favorite characters. And, like, I, you know, he, if you guys watch our live stream, like, we were watching all these people get to this point, but the whole time in the yeah. back of my head, I'm like, where's my boy Wong, though? Where is Wong now? Like, what's he doing? Because I, like, I, now he's at that level for me. He's at that status. And seeing him go from I what I love most about this moment is the is the payoff you get from like so he had the moment with Beta where Beta almost kills him and I think what was cool about that is I think it did something to Wang Nan in the sense that he's like up until then he's been sort of like the uh 
the wild card, right? The unpredictable man of the group where it's like, all right, I'll do the crazy last minute thing that might get us the win or whatever. Or if anything, I'll just divert people's attention away. But he hasn't been like a fighter. He hasn't been somebody that walk up to the enemy and was like, all right, let's go to like you and me right now. And I think after that moment he has with Beta puts things in perspective for him where he's like, can't be that guy anymore if i actually want to keep going with these floors if i want to be useful to these people if i want to claim this title of the prince of jihad i've got to start i've got to learn to put my money where my mouth is and i have to learn how to fight and so after the year of training it's so nice to see him mm -hmm. coming into that role and to see that he's gone through training and to see that it's paid off in the effect that he can fight people now and and not only that but he has with his abilities um one i love like the unique shinsu bomb thing i love, love that that's incorporated in it. yep. it's not just like yeah i can swing a sword now um and how well he's learned to work with not only others, but again, you know, pointing out Yeon specifically because Yeon has had a problem with sure. A, learning how to use her powers, but B, learning how to work well with others. We see mm -hmm. her pull it off with Rack, but that very much felt like an instinctual in the moment kind of deal. This feels controlled. This feels different. This feels like Yeon knows what she's yeah. doing and like seeing all of that come together, it was just... Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. And Casano is no laughing matter, yeah. especially now the fact that he has the other half Correct. of yeah. the devil. Dude, he got out of like, training and his first their, his first like opponent was Casano. So like, <laughs> yeah. all right, was like, all right, hold him off. Yeah. It's like, what? It's like being an off. amateur boxer, and it's like, you got a year, and then you're going up against Mike Tyson <laughs> as yeah. your first opponent. And it's like, whoa, yeah. you know what I yeah. mean? Like, handicap with the person or not, that's a big thing. And not to throw him under the bus, but think about Castano before he had Ilmar's other half, just fighting Hots alone, sure. and Hots got mollywopped. And yeah. now you're throwing, you're throwing this man at him? Like, yeah. He, he definitely held his own with the help of Eon, but like it's cool because now you're getting that true teamwork dynamic that is almost essential to surviving the tower. And that's what I love is how ironic it is that in a place where they live, where it's so individualistic, where it's that it's you who makes it to the top of the tower, you and nobody else. And it's like, you need to get there on your own, on your own volition, whatever. But it's like, you physically can't do that unless you're in a team of some sorts. And the parallels that I like specifically are, you have a team, which is, you know, Bam, Kuhn, you have Wang Nam, you have Yan. They're all working together and like, and they like each other, obviously, and have that chemistry there. And then you also have teams like Rachel's who... It is literally a team of individual people who are literally just trying to, they don't have the same goals. They're just trying to get to the next place and they happen to be strung along with each other and know that they're on a team and working together. But realistically, they have no chemistry. There's nothing there. Like, yes, they can fight side by side and know how each other's power works. Yes, but they're not like a true team in a sense, but it's cool how it's like you can't one and done it or try to one man army through this tower. It's impossible. Whether you like it or not, you're going to have to be with people and with their help, granted yourself needing to be like helpful. Also, you all need to go together. It's not a one and done sort of deal. So that's what I appreciate in this. And I like the two parallels of like the contrasting team viewpoints that you get. I can't really think of another way to describe it, but I appreciate what he's doing and I like the viewpoint that he's doing it on. But, sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so moving on, we have... Oof. So these next couple panels are going to have to do with the same subject matter, um, just broken down into different in different talking points, essentially. So the overall arching theme is the introduction of Rachel, but specifically introduced as seeing Bam, um, and Bam seeing her for the first time in a long time. Um, so the first thing we want to go over is Bam um, and his initial reaction um, to her, you know, and then, you know, we could kind of evolve the conversation from going in there and then eventually when she gives them a old boop, you know, at the end again. So, um, all right. So this is, this is, um, 
This is something, man. Yeah. So <laughs> and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I, I want to start off because uh, Smile, when he wrote out some points in our Discord, uh, mm. the point that he wrote here was Bam's reaction to Rachel is very controversial uh, to many because most people thought that Bam by now would have gotten over the mm. fact, uh, would have gotten over Rachel, and that because of that, this feels like very inhuman. Like this very doesn't feel creepy. like yeah, like a yeah. reaction somebody would have. Um, but then he goes on later to say that he personally disagrees, and I actually agree with him. I think that this was very tough for me to read because I, as as a fan of Bam and not a fan of Rachel, I wanted nothing more than for Bam to walk up those stairs, see Rachel, and then proceed to curse her the fuck out. But that's not what happened, and I knew that's not what was going to happen because the only result of someone like Bam finally getting to see someone like Rachel after the time they've had apart and after the incident that led them to be apart, this was like the only outcome we were going to get, right? Bam is so in his emotions right now and he's so confused and, and like scared and, and curious and like, like that the only thing he would do is ask why, is, is try to get these answers, right? The, arguably, the only thing that Bam wants is to know why Rachel doesn't want to be with him as much as he wants to be with her. And I think that there's no more human reaction that you could illustrate than the one Bam has here, where despite his reason, like the reason in his mind being like, all right, but I know Rachel pushed me. I know she doesn't want me. I think this is a moment where like Bam sort of breaks down and he's like, he's tired of the fighting. He's tired of this conflict. He's tired of all these people risking their lives for, for him or for, for whatever else. All he wants is for just a moment things to go back to the semblance of what they were before, which is when he was with Rachel and he had happiness. It's hard, and I think it's interesting that this sort of parallels between the whole Casino, um, Teddy, and uh, Miss Sophie thing, where it's like, even if Rachel's affection for Bam was uh, manipulative or, or, or misguided, like, you know, in the lieu of, like, Teddy and, and Casino, like, Bam still had that, and he did need that to get through the circumstances he was in when he was, you know, down in the underground or whatever. So it's hard for Bam to come around to the term officially that, like, Rachel's no longer good for me and I can't be with her um, because that was his everything. That was his world. That he, I mean, you know, so many times in this panels and in other parts of the story, she he refers to her as his angel, his light. Like, you know what I mean? His literal, like, his everything. So for... Her, for him to see her now and for her to more or less illustrate the points that she's illustrated to everybody else, um, boy, it literally breaks him. And, and I, and I, part of me again is like, this is a weird part of me. That's like, I think it's kind of cool, uh, seeing Bam get a little unhinged because we've also never, I mean, like we had the thing with Yura and the tournament, right. Where he just the thought of, or the, the mention of Rachel's name, you know, spans into this thing. But like, I don't know, something about seeing Bam, who's kind of actually been the pretty cool, calm, and collected one up until this moment, um, kind of just lose his shit a little bit and, like, get a little crazy and unhinged. Um, one, because of, like, what proceed the panels that proceed to follow, but two, again, because I actually think this is one of the most human moments that we've read in this entire story, where it's, like, like again, reasonably and rationally, he knows that Rachel's not good for her. I, I do believe he does know that. But, like, it's, it's a hard thing to tell somebody to keep their emotion out of a decision, especially with him not having any closure and only think rationally, right? Bam doesn't do that. He doesn't know how to do that because his emotional tie to Rachel is what kept him alive when he, you know, when they were down in the underground. So to have to whisk all that away and more or less to hear that she wants to whisk that all away is unacceptable. He can't take it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad one. I don't know. Gavin, what do you think? So, again, I share a lot of the same viewpoints that Isaiah has on it. Um, I guess when I 
a lot of it comes to context with it, especially with the interaction that they have, because I didn't find it to be creepy at all. And I can see how out of context, if you take down all of his emotions that he had shown toward her, that yes, it can be creepy, you know, like, why doesn't he just break ties, move on, like, just get over himself, you know, move forward, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get that. And I do feel like he went to extreme lengths. And I could argue that it's for selfish reasons. Like, obviously, it's for him wanting to get that closure that he is forcing himself to her, which he doesn't have to do. But again, with the history that they have, and for the amount that she means to him, like, this wasn't just a random interaction on the street where it's like they were friends for a couple years or not. Like, this kid literally was underground for God knows how long he doesn't even know, and was saved by Rachel, you know? So in his eyes, she is a physical representation of a savior to him. So I can full, I can fully understand why he would go to the actual end of the earth just to see her because that literally changed his entire life, like his entire perspective on life. And for me, it just feels only natural that I've seen people in less I've seen people get less out of a relationship in real life, if we're doing it in real terms. I've seen people do less for people or actually go to greater lengths for others that have done less to them compared to Bam, who I feel like is pretty moderate in his decisions. Yes, he's went extreme in some points, but, like, it's justifiable. And, again, it's you don't have to sell me on it. Like, for me, I feel it. I feel just as bad for him, although I wish he didn't did get over it in a sense it's not his character and he hasn't reached that point to his own like mental ability to learn how to accept it because really he hasn't learned much about emotional concept nobody sat him down and be like this is like happy sad like you know this is what relationships mean to people and how you deal like he's never had any resemblance of guidance in that state so obviously it's going to be more one-track minded and tunnel vision like and unfortunately until he learns the hard way which he hasn't yet, i.e. being Rachel pushing him a second time, now we know it's going to be a long progression of pain and probably resentment building on his end until eventually, through that pain, he comes to the realization that this is what life is, how do I move on with that? And hopefully he still has Kuhn and his other teammates there to back him up at that point. Otherwise, he, really be, uh, he will be on his own and then ruin everything that he was not intentionally trying to do. Um, yeah. Yeah, he... Uh Definitely went through it, man. It sucked. Uh, went total simp mode. <laughs> <laughs> went simpo mode. Gavin and I are like, it's really about the complex emotional relationship, and Ian's like, and that he's a simp. <laughs> <laughs> not Chadley moved at all. Moves at all. Uh, not Chadley at all. Yeah, I mean, he does have Yuri. Why doesn't he even like? Come on. Come yeah. On, right. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. What he's got going on here. No, but I could. Um, it's a uh, it's a catch twenty two, right? Because it's like you you wanted to go up there and just flipper the bird and all that good stuff, but you know for the reasons that you guys have already put forward, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> um, you know, and this is a cool panel in the the panel that we were on in particular, um, where he says unacceptable. You know, because yeah. it's just like at that point he's like, I have had it. Yeah. I deserve an answer. Yeah, I deserve yeah, an answer. Yeah, if yeah. that that's it, because like. There's part of me that, you know, which you guys have kind of said or not said, and, you know, whatever, where it's like, maybe if he just gets an answer, maybe he will piss off. You know what I mean? Like, we don't, we don't know, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, where it's like, if he get you know, if she's like, you know, if he gets like possessive after that, then it's like, okay, it's kind of on you, Bam. But, you know, he deserves an answer. She, she's kind of drug him through the mud here and yeah. like, hasn't, it's the worst part that she's just like, nah, like you just don't deserve to be up here. And it's like, can you give me a why, you know, <laughs> yeah, like just yeah. a, like a why. Right. 
Um, you know, it's interesting. There's a quote. I it's uh, I think it's by Nietzsche or something that says, uh, "A man with a why can bear almost any how." And so it's like, as long if Bam had the closure of knowing why are you doing this, you know, like what what are your reasons? Then he could. Then he. I would assume that he'd be able to. He's a pretty strong guy, you know, um, he'd be able to bear like a lot of the things that were to come and it, he might not be happy about it, but he'd be able to live his life. We, he's been able to make, you know, like so many friends, but it's just a shame that he's hung up so much on this character. Uh, I don't want to get too far into it because if you saw our live stream, you can see the chaos ensue there. Um, but I will say I am um, definitely intrigued. I don't like, let me preface that. Let me say it again. I do not like Rachel, but... I am intrigued by Rachel's character and I'm very curious as to what the hell she is looking for at this point um, because I think the story has set it up in such a way that it can't just be so simple. Um, and if it is, fair enough. I'll eat my words on that. Um, they, they got me good. But I feel especially with this whole debacle that went down that I, I just I can't help but be curious about what the hell is so important, right? And it's like the the reason being is because of, you know, the the weird little signs that are given where it's like, you know, and you could interpret that as maybe it's just weakness. You know, she doesn't have what it takes to fully walk through or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, weakness or not, there's still a hesitation, um, which, again, could be wrong, but would lead me to believe that there is something deep, deep down under all that sludge and dirt and grime that, yearns for Bam or cares for him in a slight manner, um, at least the way I perceive it. So even though, even with that little bit in my mind kind of throws me into like, okay, so then like, what is it really, you know, that she wants? And I would quite frankly be a little disappointed if it was something incredibly surface level, because then it would just be like, she's evil for the sake of evil. Um, and I want, and I'm curious to know, why you know i'm curious to know why just as bam is like why are you doing this like what do you deem to be so important that you're willing to hurt anyone in your path and especially the one that the person that loves you or you know cares for you the most out of anyone um but why do you slightly hesitate as well you know like what the hell do you want so i will say i am thoroughly intrigued with rachel's character it's and i mean like you know, especially at this point, um, I don't agree with any of the the route that she's taken. I mean, I've already ex expressed that completely. Uh, for anyone who's watched us at all, you should know that by now. Um, I compare her to Wang Nan a lot. She's the antithesis. She drags people down while Wang Nan rises up. So I think she's scum in that regard. Um, but I am very curious to see what the hell she wants. Like, what is her end goal, right? Because I don't think she gives a damn about Rion. I don't think she gives... I personally don't think she gives a damn about reviving the... Um, you know, the Slayer nominee and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think she's like using people as like rungs on a ladder. You know what I mean? And like playing off whatever they're going for could be wrong here, but like to elevate herself to like jump to that next point. Cause she doesn't have the power to forge through on her own. So definitely some curious stuff, but anyway, that's my thoughts on that one. Um, so moving on, we are on the kind of on the same topic here, but it's towards the end. Um, Cause bam, um, you know, has, has a fight with a character we're going to talk about right after this, but we might as well, since we're on the subject of Rachel, um, the push, right? The push 2.0 or whatever. I think that's somebody referred to it as in the, uh, in the discord. Um, do we have any thoughts on this? You know, I mean, there's really not too much to say. Um, well, I mean, besides... I, so I, you know, 
so to be honest, I completely disagree with the assessment of Rachel's character, and I feel like this moment is you know another tick in the box for me um, as to why I believe what I believe, mm-hmm. um, which is that I do believe that the goal, Rachel's goal, um, does not have any complexity to it, and I don't think that it can, right? Because I think that the second Rachel's the second that Rachel's goal becomes something anywhere near noble or like or or necessary or you know like i had to do this like you know because i'm between a rock and a hard place her actions to achieve that thing become justifiable not a hundred percent but it becomes a thing of like okay you should have done this differently but like i see i i i see what you're doing and i don't think that's rachel's character arc i don't think that's the point of her character existing i think that again what makes this story the complexity of it is sold on the emotional points. And I don't think that it's so much about, well, what Rachel's doing or what Rachel wants has to be this complicated, like tricky, you know, end goal scenario. Rather, the complexity lies in the fact that all Rachel wants is this and all Bam wants is her, but like those two things can't ever work together. And I think the, just the complexity in that interaction and relationship, you know, never mind you, the literal <laughs> legions of other characters that have, you know, their own two cents to say about whatever, um, is where you get your complexity from in this story and in this relationship. And I think that Rachel, because for me, like Rachel's not, Rachel has never done anything in the story for me that tells me like, all right, hold on though. You know, like maybe she did this, but like maybe, you know, she, she like she did this, but she also didn't do this. Or like, you know what I mean? Like has never given me a solid or valid reason for like for what she wants. And the only thing she stated is that she wants to get to the top of the tower, whatever she wants, the wish of, of, you know, granting or whatever her desires are, that that's what she wants. And she's proven that she's willing to go to no ends and that she's willing to hurt just about anybody, including innocent people like Dan, who have literally nothing to do with this, this entire conundrum here and literally stabbed his legs just out of the fact that she was jealous of his natural born talent as she is with Bam this is a woman who is vindictive. This is a woman who has something to prove, and this is a woman who wants to feel like she's special. And that's really all that I'm getting from her. And the fact that she's willing to cast away not only anybody else, right, of j- random strangers that she's never met before, um, and, and basically destroy their lives, again, i.e. someone like Dan, but somebody like Bam, who quite literally and, and metaphorically or, or whatever has taken bullets for her and, like, would take bullets for her. Um, there's nothing. There's nothing there in that character, like, I, again, I that character is a villain, and it's a pretty good written villain. But that doesn't mean I don't like that character, and I don't think that that's. I don't think there's any complexity there to be liked. Yeah. So I just want to say one thing before you continue, because I don't know if that was, because um, you said you disagree, which I'm assuming means that you were referring to the points that I made prior, and I'd like to make it abundantly clear that I am not giving Rachel any sort of excuse for any of the actions that she makes nor am I saying that I agree with her goal because I don't even know what it is. I am purely and simply saying that I am curious to see what that goal is. And I would hope that it is not something incredibly surface level because I think it would make, it would be interesting uh, to see what the hell she wants. Um, But I think at the end of the day, and I'd like to make this clear that it doesn't matter what she wants at the end of the day. It could be the craziest thing ever, or it could be something incredibly surface level. She's still wrong in the things that she's saying. But I want to put that forward because we had, especially in the live stream, 
and things got a little heated when we were talking about it. There were a lot of people in chat ready to stone me to death because I even said that there was an interesting part about this character. Um, and there were a lot of people being like, you know, kind of mirroring those points, being like, it doesn't matter, like she's not justified and all that kind of stuff, which is a thousand percent correct, and I agree. Um, it's moreover, now I'm my curiosity in this villain, in this character, is peaked in like what what could it be? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what I'm very I guess curious. I was just saying I disagree with that curiosity. Like I'm not curious. I'm not any more curious than I was when we, when we met her. And I don't think there's anything in this character worth being curious about personally. But yeah, obviously I get what you're saying. And yeah. And yeah. Fair enough. Gavin, what do you got? So I believe it or not, I tip into both ends and I do. So I guess at the end of it, I think there is a complexity to her because I feel that SIU is the type of person that would like inherently almost have to add a certain level of complexity to a character. I mean, I, for me, I'm not as much interested. Like I'm where I'm with Isaiah where it's like, I feel like I understand where she's at and I really couldn't care less at this point. However, she can and very well possibly does have this complexity to her in which she makes her decisions, which I can actually very well see, especially with a lot of the hesitating points that she has, which is understandable. And if she and if it does come down at the end of the day to something that SIU is like, this is really X, Y, Z, what was underlying happened to why she makes her decisions, I can accept that they were there and led on for all this time. However, for me, it does not add any brownie points for Rachel as a character, and I'm steadfast and I don't care if at the end of this SIU tries to sell it where it's almost like Rachel had to do this to protect Bam blah 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 I honestly don't think I care and I can eat my words on it if it ever happens but to be completely honest I really just think that she's a terrible person and I don't think there's any saving that and whether he even tries to slip it in there as justification like oh this is really what happens I still don't care I think that any route would have been better than the one that she's going down you get no sympathy from me I can say that there might be complexity to you, but then again, I still couldn't care less because you are still just being a terrible person. There's no excuse for it. You had so many opportunities, whether you thought you didn't or not, to make a different decision. So you have no respect. You're a snake. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to pose a question that's not on any panels, but just as a general one. What are are you, just anyone can answer this, um, because I'm kind of asking it to myself as well. What is it in this story that you are most curious, let me find the right wording, excited um, to see, right? Like what, what, what questions do you want answered? What do you want the end goal to be? Um, whether it's with a character individually or if it's with, the, you know, the tower as a whole um, or anything like that. I'm just 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 a question. I wanted to throw it out there. I think it might be a good talking point. Anyone can answer. Um, I I think the no, I mean like the number one overarching thing that I want out of the story is I want an answer uh, to the question that's posed at the beginning, which is that this is the way the the way the tower is constructed is the way it is, right? And it's because it's the way it always has been ever since Jihad and his homies rolled up here, and nobody's gonna change that. Um, I want to know if that question could be challenged. I want to know if that by ascending the tower, by playing this game, but playing it the way Bam wants to play it, by recruiting people, by making friends, by creating allies and comrades, and most importantly, by not playing into what the tower feeds off and gives people, which is this this essence of like revenge and selfishness and like betraying people and, and getting out with your own leg up at any cost. 
Um, because if Ban gets to the top of the tower by means of something like Rachel will do, then we have no point. We've lost that argument in its thesis. What I want to see is quite for, literally if this tower, if Bam can do it. I want to know if Bam can change this tower, but not just by getting Jihad out and, and inserting himself or X figure into Jihad's role. It's been made abundantly clear, even in just the 30-ish floors that we've seen in the story, that the system is up and it's broken, it's ass backwards, it really only benefits 10 great families and Jihad himself. So this system doesn't just get, like, you know, uh, upended by jihad leaving i've said that before and i still believe that we need this the system has to be changed this whole tower needs to be like reconstructed in the way that it operates and we can only do that if not it, it doesn't only happen just by getting rid of jihad but it happens by getting rid of jihad and showing people that there's another way to operate in this tower right because if you just get then you all you've made is a power vacuum you need to show people that this the way that jihad has been operating this doesn't work and that there's another way to do this and i and so my curiosity is peaked in the fact that you know, like it or not, Jihad's system has gotten, ex I mean, granted, they've had a numerous, like, head start and leg up on, on most of the people in the tower, but Jihad's system will excel certain people to the top, but it is by means of making it so that you basically can't trust anybody but yourself and, like, I don't know, maybe, like, a, a super close family member or something, whatever. Um, but I would, I would wage to guess that, like, even with King Jihad, that he probably doesn't trust anybody but himself, right? Because that's the system he's created. He's created a society where he can't lean on anybody because if he does, that gives them an opening to cut him out and, and you know what I mean, usurp him in terms of power. But if Bam and his friends can create a different system that relies on compassion and relies on cooperation instead of, you know, stepping on each other and, and you know, people over, then you have a different system. And then you have a system that works to build life and people up instead of tear down. Again, it's essentially an amplified version of, uh, you know, Bam and Wang Nan versus, like, Rachel's uh, dynamic here. Rachel and King Jahan and, and, like, that whole side, if you want to, you know, cut it down the middle, um, work the way the tower already exists, which is to tear people down, which is to get yourself up by any means necessary. Um, but that's not how, you know, Bam and, by extension, people like Wang Nan uh, work. And we've seen that the way that Bam interacts with people and the way that, like, even Wang Nan... Um, is rewarded. It does work. It is. It has swayed not only the people that they've already met, but people who were on the opposing side. It has swayed their opinions. So we know that this on a small scale works. My question then becomes, does this work on a larger scale? Can we make this tower a better place that we found it in? Fair enough. Do you have any thoughts, Gavin, or no? Uh, can we just reiterate the question? Like, I have an idea. I just so, want to answer it. Properly. Yeah, so I was just curious. Um, what is it that you are most curious about what mm -hmm. question do you most want answered what are you most excited to see and like how do you want where do you want the end goal to be like what do you want what do you want the conflict what what is the conflict that you are most interested in seeing okay. and how do you want it resolved or okay. why are you curious got you okay i just want to make sure that because i have a mindset and believe it or not like differing from isaiah I'm at the point where I kind of don't care about the political standing of the tower. Like for me, most of my um, curiosity comes purely from the actual emotional connections that the characters have between one another. So I'm really curious on just how everything gets resolved with Bam and Rachel. And then from that, does Kuhn kind of go a little bit on the deep and shady end? And does he start to like do some backdoor stuff behind Bam to do like his like... All of my curiosity is just like, what is going to happen between Bam and Rachel? 
which I feel like inevitably nothing can happen. But even so, all my curiosity lies between every time those two are on panel together, my I just literally, my head wants to blow up. So I just want to see that fleshed out the best it could be. And then I'm really just curious on the side characters. What happens to Lero Row? What happens to Blitz? You know, everybody who we've met, you know, Team Sweet and Sour, everybody else. I... A weird part of me is, like, I feel as if they're not all just going to become rankers, like, in a sense. Sure. So, it's like, what happens at that point? Do they cap out and just stay on a floor? Do they all, like, live happily ever after? Eventually, as they start climbing, say, Ilmar and Glasses Girl, I already forgot her name. Go saying, do they maybe, like, want to get married? So, they just kind of, like, ditch everybody. Like, do people start having their own individual, I guess, dreams in terms of how they want to live their life? which would then ensue them splitting up from the group. And then obviously they're getting introduced to new people like of the team. So like SIU can always shuffle in new characters quite literally. And he does it very well. So my question is, does everybody stay together as they move up? Or is it going to get to the point where people are just going to literally start branching out to live their own lives? And what really comes with them climbing the tower? Like in essence, because right now Bam doesn't want to overthrow you know, Jihad, that's the last thing of his worries. He just wants to resolve things with Rachel. So what is that motivation after the fact when things get resolved? And is anything going to get resolved? Um, so, yeah, I guess that's kind of in a nutshell. I just want that whole emotional suspense finished, even though I know it's not going to happen for at least, like, forever. So it's, it's fine. <laughs> at least I'm, I'm, in, I'm in it for the long <laughs> yeah. haul. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to prick your brains a little on that, so I had to swap panels around here. So this is kind of a little bit of a backtrack. We'll briefly go over this, um, but this happens in the midst of the whole debacle with Rachel, but I wanted mm -hmm. to stay on the Rachel subject until we flushed it all out. Um, so Bam meets a new friend. Um, by friend, I mean not a friend at all, um, who has this giant drill bit for a, uh, for a weapon here in the, in the way of a, of a lance um, when Bam is going berserk with the... You know, with the thorn. Um, so, who do we think this guy is? Uh, why is he with Rachel? Um, what's going on? I, I mean, I'll I'll briefly start because I don't really have too many thoughts on this, but um, he clearly knows a lot of what's going on um, through his dialogue. Uh, Bam is clearly a match for him, um, but he doesn't seem to be going all all out, or at least he pulling the Vegeta thing, where like we don't know if he is whatever. Um, and I believe it's stated he's part of Fug, if I'm not mistaken. Um, right, yeah. yeah. So I don't really have too many thoughts on this guy, except that he's kind of um, like a higher position person that's that's like put back to oversee sure. what's happening. Um, you know how we talked about people walking downstairs to get bam, and then people got to walk down with him type thing. I think this is an example of that, um, oh, okay. where you know where it's like okay, go you know like with with Rachel's crew. Um, I could be dead wrong on that, and to be honest, I kind of hope I am. <laughs> um, so you like think that he's like like higher up, like like. Um, maybe not like crazy high, but like someone that they're like, yo, like you clearly are a little more powerful, like go down, see what's up. You know, like okay. we're going to do this. Like Rachel's, you know, got a thing with Fug. Um, point being is that I don't think this guy, based off what I've seen here and man, am I probably going to eat my words? Um, I don't think he's as important as, as you know, first glance would tell me. Um, like, I don't know if this guy's going to be a mainstay within the whole thing where it's like this guy's a crazy story-altering mm -hmm. presence. Um, mm. But in previous conversations we've had, you could see random <laughs> side character A, and yeah, they turn out being incredibly relevant. Yeah. So this could be one of those scenarios. But, like, I don't know. I really didn't have too much to say about him, but he kind of – he knows what's going on. He seems like he has the lowdown. Like, he went into this group – 
already kind of being briefed on like mm-hmm. what the what the situation right. is. It's like here's Done your mission. Homework. Yeah, it's yeah. like here's your mission. Go do this. Mm-hmm. Either safeguard the girl, whatever. Find Bam. What well, I don't know what the case is, but it's like here's here's what's going on. Here's the situation. Now go go oversee it. Mm-hmm. And like that's what he is. But that I don't really have too many extensive thoughts. That's where I'm gonna end it. For um, me. I, so I so there's a couple things that he says in his interactions with Bam that lead me to I guess really one of two things. Uh, the first thing is that when he starts fighting Bam, he says, "Jewel Vile Grace, I've waited for so long to to have to, to meet you to fight you." Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly, he I think is somebody who learned of, you know, Bam Jewel Vile Grace um, from the you know the rumors or the the tales of the workshop battle, right? Because that's his whole uh, I guess bio now is that like Jewel Vile Grace mysteriously disappeared during the workshop battle and now he's gone. Um, so I think what's interesting though is that if that's where he heard of this from, I think that means to some capacity he was around during the workshop battle. And I think this because there's another panel where when they're addressing this guy, they refer to him as Mad Dog. Now, if you remember, Mad Dog was, you know, the person that we first met as Mad Dog was the guy, you know, the shirtless dude with the paint and whatever, um, who we met in the workshop battle. And we meet him knowing that he used to be, you know, that this guy, Mad Dog, used to be a member of FUG but quickly became disenfranchised because of the way that they treated him and thus had a personal stake against Jewel Vale Grace because of Jewel Vale Grace's association with Fug. Yeah. So I actually think that this man is not as indebted to Fug as, um, you know, as it may seem. Because I think generally it's implied that, like, this group that Rachel's with is, like, working with Fug. But I feel like in Tower of God, like, I'm with so-and-so could mean, you know, I could, I'll die for them or, like, sure. yeah, I'll hold their back. Yeah. Um, so I actually feel like he's he's got a little bit more of like a personal agenda going on here than maybe some of the rest of the group. Okay. Um, and that like quite literally only joined this group because he he was told that there's a chance he could meet and fight Jewel Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, but what I think is more interesting again is the fact that they refer to him as Mad Dog, um, which leads me to believe that okay, this Mad Dog identity kind of feels like the Jewel Grace thing, where it's like the name is more important than the person, sure. and that that name might be a title that can be tossed and given to anybody at will, depending on on uh, whatever the circumstances. So I actually think that the Mad Dog is there's Mad Dogs, and that there's a group ah. of these people that can assume this title, and that it's not just I believe Baragov was the you know the original guy uh, mm-hmm. that we met, um, that he's not the ma- only Mad Dog, that there's Mad Dogs and these. Because he, he mentions that, like, I was one of the people that was experiment you know, that, that Fug treated this way, which implies that, that Fug did that to more people. So my yeah. mind is like, okay, I guess that's not far-stretched then to think that Baragov is not the only person who came to this conclusion and therefore wanted to do something about it. So I think this guy is sort of in cahoots with him. And again, whether Mad Dog told him about the interactions he had with Enderosi um, when they were at the workshop battle and stuff or not, I think this guy sort of has a score to settle with Jewel by Old Grace on that front. Okay, fair enough. I like your theory more. I hope it's right. Gavin, <laughs> what do you got? Yeah, no, me and Isaiah actually went in on this a little bit before we started recording. I don't think oh, you okay. were there at the time. So I do ha- like share a lot of the same thoughts that he does. Um, I think another... They did explain the actual process of how he became a mad dog and pretty much, and I don't remember specifically what it was, so I might skew it and somebody else out there definitely can find it. Kill a bunch of people. Yeah, Yeah, but like like more of a death type thing. Yeah, (laughs) probably. But either. Typical tower guy. Yeah, (laughs) the huge. But like it was more or less where he was with these other people. They were called canines and pretty much they were in a cage. The last one surviving, you know, became a mad dog. Obviously, there was stuff in between, like other experiments that they had to go through. But pretty much, when you made it to the end of this process, you were then mad dog. So I think that it's like multiple people can become mad dogs, obviously, because all you need to do is 
be the winner of said tests, and then you become said mad mad dog. Oh, like okay. you gain that title. You know, you're not yeah. you're not right. the title of a canine anymore. You surpass right. that, and now you're a mad like dog. You're, yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. So that's where I could see like almost as like not. Not facts, but like you know, some information that could back sure. that idea if it yeah, was yeah. true. Okay, um, yes. that makes sense. I like that. I like your guys' theories there. Um, so then we're gonna hop in. Make sure I got my panels right here. Uh, we're gonna hop into whatever the hell was talking to Bam in his <laughs> sleep, um, which was this little ball thing. Um, what do we think it is? I think it's some sort of semblance of the thorn. I think. Uh, I think it's like the whole like I'm gonna talk to you because I'm a living weapon type thing. Like I am the essence of maybe Enryu or whoever. Um, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna either guide you or or you know you're gonna guide me depending on how this goes. Right, right. Um, you know, and because th- they do reference to the fact that the thorn could literally take you over, mm-hmm. you know, mind and sure, body. Sure. So yeah, like yeah. maybe this is like the essence of that, mm-hmm. and like it has this own figure. And he's like, "What are you?" And he's like, "I don't know." <laughs> he's like, "I'm power," but yeah, uh, you I'm know, that, power dog. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. So I don't know if anybody has any more interesting thoughts on that. But there's really not much for me personally that I could see going off of besides that theory. Um, I think that whatever this voice, like the entity that's actually speaking with Bam is that skeletal figure that like we know is already in Bam before he gets the thorn. And oh, okay. I think what's happening now is now that Bam has the thorn, but like there's a comment that they make a couple panels back where they're like, oh, it's clear that he has the thorn, but uh, I think it's actually Matt, the mad dog when he's fighting, he says it, um, he says the that the fact that the thorn, he has a thorn, but th- the thorn hasn't accepted him or he hasn't accepted it. He's like, it's weird that it's on your back. Which made me think, like, oh, is the thorn supposed to be, like, inside you? So I think what's happening is there's a literal clash between the thorn trying to accept Bam and whatever that thing that's already inside Bam is are, like, at ends with each other. interesting. And so I think that when they say something like, I am just power, I think, like, it's literally referring to, like, the combination of, like, what the thorn could be and what this thing is. Like, that's, that's that's what it is. It's just power. It could be anything it wants. But, like, the question, I think, is now becomes is what does Bam want us to be? Or can Bam make this anything he wants to be? Because I think it's now going to become a thing of, like, can Bam learn to control, you know, the thorn and or this other entity or whatever inside him, or will it be the other way around with they or it takes control of him? Okay, interesting. Gavin, do you have any other thoughts? So what's what's interesting is I actually kind of forgot about that little thing living inside of Bam, or at least whatever entity <laughs> I did it too, is. Don't so worry. I want to, A, so I guess a couple of things is, one, what that entity is, and when we're going to actually find some information about it, because right now we've been pretty much left in the dark and haven't really seen it since that fight with Ilmar. But even then, I... Even after hearing that, I still feel like this voice that's being talked about is the thorn, and mainly because, I guess, just off of face value, not knowing anything, just associating the two, is at the end of the day, this, whatever, whoever this is, said, what is your goal, like, with this power? It was like, what, or, like, what do you desire, or more or less? So with that, I almost feel like it would be something the thorn would be saying to him where it's like, what would you desire? Almost like when he talks to the administrators and it's like, what do you desire? And then they're Mm -hmm. like, bam. And they know it instantly. Read his mind. Boom. He has it. I feel like if it was the monster inside of him or not the monster, he was referred to the monster, but that like exoskeleton inside of him, I almost feel like it wouldn't be asking him that kind of question. And however, I could see it also being it because at the end of the day, Bam was literally going berserk when this had happened. So if anything, I feel like in that darkened state, it would have given that exoskeleton thing a chance to almost take over Bam in a sense. And maybe this is it trying to like say, 
Like, hey, if this is, you know, the harsh reality, like, what do you desire now after being drugged through the dirt? Like, do you want to just, like, look to kill people and whatever? So I can see both ways, but, like, oddly contextually, I feel like it works more in the Thorns' favor, asking, like, what do you desire? Like, I've just seen you go berserk. Like, what do you want at the end of this? Like, we'll go from there, where it's like, if it was the exos or that skeleton inside of him, he would have heard from it sooner. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Well, so um, my my additional, I guess, theory into the skeleton thing is mm-hmm. that, like, the skeleton thing is, like, literally, if you think about it, like, Legos, right? Like, the skeleton thing is literally the body piece. And the thorn is actually, there's several pieces to it. Because there is another remark I think Kuhn, if I'm not mistaken, makes where he's like, all right, Bam's either going to have to learn to control the thorn or we're going to have to assemble all of the pieces of the thorn. I think together, combined the skeleton and all the pieces of the thorn make, like, this actual being whole. And I think so right now, again, what's happening is amongst these these beings clashing with each other, whatever you want to call it, like the, this piece of the thorn clashing with the skeleton, um, there's a clash between them and Bam, right? Because it, it doesn't fully accept Bam or whatever. But I think literally the thorn and that husk thing, so to speak, are like kind of two sides of the same coin. I don't mm-hmm. think they're two separate entities. I actually think like together along with other pieces, it makes like the complete thorn or like a this whole other, you know, power. Yeah, and I'll swap it to this. I actually completely agree with you, and that, as you were talking, that also... Camera's out, dog. Oh, oh, my bad. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, okay, <laughs> we're, we're back. That's weird. I didn't realize that camera died, my bad. But, um, yeah, no, I actually, I can see that that little exoskeleton husk thing is another point of it, because at the end of the day, Fug is what who put that in his body, yeah. and obviously their end game was to get the thorn because he needed it, so it would make sense to lay the prep work to then lead to um, said thorn. Like retrieval, um, yeah, yeah, no, that's pretty, pretty dope, pretty dope. All right, fair enough. So, last talking point is more of um, well, it's a talking point and a prediction. Yep. Um, and it is Wang Nan, Yan, and also Ryun. I guess we can kind of toss in here too. Now that they are all on the Hell Train, um, yeah. some against their own volition, and <laughs> and others kind of still against the revolution because <laughs> Kuhn kind of just threw him up there. He's like, you're going to have to trust me, right? <laughs> so number one, that was cool. Uh, Kuhn's knife is really just coming in handy. Um, yeah. He's just like, all right, you know, and he's like, I'm going to teleport you over there or whatever. Um, crazy good weapon, especially in the hands of someone like Kuhn who's able to utilize it for more than what your average person would probably utilize it for, right? right? Yeah. Where he's like, yeah. he's thinking of all these interesting ways where it's like literally is a teleportation device if used in that way. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting in and of itself. Um, but yeah, so I guess our predictions on what do we think that Yan, Wangnan, and Ryun are going to do now that they're aboard the Hell Train and how are they going to, I guess, stop it from the inside? Um, if that's the plan or, or what, what do we think is going to happen? What do we got? Um, so I think, I think what's interesting, something SIU has done really well is he likes to, he likes to get like, he kind of does like this expanding and, and, uh, shrinking thing with like, I feel like the cast of characters, um, as in like he'll, he likes to wrangle and bring a group of characters together up to a certain point and have them travel together. And then for some reason, X, Y, or Z, uh, break them up and then have smaller mm-hmm. clumps of these characters uh, gather back and intersect. And I think what he, how, the way he does that is is very good because I think what ends up happening is it's kind of essentially just shuffling the pot of characters here until we get combos or pairs of people who 
by nature are going to have better interactions or at the very least interesting interactions because they're people who all on some level or to some degree like know each other or are affiliated with each other and on some version of the same side, but they just don't know it yet because they don't all know each other and have all the pieces. So I think what's going to happen here is these two, their objective right now is not to get Haoryun because they don't even know that she's on this, this train. But I think ultimately once they find out that Haoryun is here, they're going to be like, all right, we got to save her because we she was pretty, whether it's from like a, a, a shallow thing of like she was pretty useful so like back then, so we got it, we should get her now. Um, or, you know, because they're just, they're, they're good guys, they're homies. Like we can't just leave her as a hostage. Um, but it would be interesting now to see how are you, one, to catch up with her character. Because I was saying this a little bit off camera, but I feel like how are you is kind of in like this this dry spell of like, yeah, I don't, I don't want, like, self-doubt, I guess, because of the whole shenanigans that went down with Emily. Like, she's probably kind of, like, doesn't really know how to confront that. Um, but I think it would be interesting to see the react, the interactions, rather, between Wang Nan, Eon, and Hao Ryun teaming up here, um, because they're both essentially here for different reasons, right? Hao Ryun's obviously, uh, you know, largely against her will. Um, but nonetheless, they're all on the same side, right? But it's like... So I, I, I'm curious to see, A, if that will pan out, if that's how it will go, and B, what will come of that. Um, and I am also curious to know if there was a plan past Kuhn getting these two on the train and, like, what does that extend to? Because, like, yeah, they're both on the train now, um, but they're going to have to pull some, like, high-level stealthy, <laughs> to, in my mind at least, to pass this off because now it's basically these two against the whole squad. And to be honest, if they were going toe-to-toe just dealing with Casno, like, dude, there's, like, Four other niggas here, bro, that, like, are equally at his, it, at his, if not higher than his level, that we now have content to contend with. Not to mention the entirety of whatever the hell train is. So I'm very curious to see, like, mm -hmm. what the plan here is extending forward. But I think, anyway, that there is something that Kuhn has already laid out for them to do or find or whatever. Um, I just hope it works. <laughs> Fair enough. Gavin, you got anything? Yeah, and it... it takes balls because not to mention Yan is a member of one of the 10 great families, you know, and literally she is on a train with a teammate of Fug who literally opposed the 10 great families. So I just like, as soon as I saw her on there, I was like, Oh my God, like it doesn't even matter. Just her name is already going to put her like we're, we're killing you no matter what, like we're not holding back. So I thought it was an interesting choice of just a character to throw on with, Wang Nam, I'm like, you could have grabbed, like, Prince or Misen, you know? And obviously, I don't know if that builds to, like, their dynamic or he's really trying to, like, ship them, you know, in a sense where it's like, we've already seen that they have some sort of chemistry in terms of fighting. Like, now I have faith and together they can, you know, do this. I don't know. Or maybe he just didn't have the option. It was just the two closest people right next to him. He's like, all right, you're, you're, I'm taking you and you're going, which could very well be it. Yeah, because it was on the fly. So I'm definitely curious on what's going to happen. I feel like they're almost not, or... I don't think they can make a presence on the train in terms of running into like Rachel and et cetera people until they hit a stop and the train gets flooded with more people oh, okay. because at this point it's two against however many people I, I'm my boys Wang not what? Oh God. Oh, sorry. I just no, had you, a, you I just had a, so you were saying like they can't really do anything until they, until the train stops. Mm -hmm. Kuhn, that was Kuhn's plan. He's like, we're not going to be able to catch up to the train. The only thing we can do is shut the train down and stop mm -hmm. it from moving. So what if he sent these two in here to do just that? Find out how to keep the train from moving on to the next station so mm -hmm. that once they get up there, they can... I believe that's what he did. And yeah. he might have been at the end when we were like, who is he talking to? It may have very well been Wang Nan. In oh, the, you think so? I think he referred to or the person as AA. He did. Which he was another person ah, entirely. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. 
but um, I'll just shut up now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when I'm reading it, sometimes I miss some of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. so concerned about getting the damn punctuation yeah. right or whatever in that mm-hmm. moment, but whatever. All right, folks, those are our thoughts on the chapters that we had just read today. Again, let us know what you think about our discussion. Do you agree? Do you disagree? So long as you're civil. Um, let us know what you thought about these chapters in general and mm-hmm. how you think Tower of God is at this point, what you're excited to see in the future without spoiling anything. <laughs> uh, make sure you guys are liking, subscribing, hitting that notification bell, referring to the description with all of our links. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And we will see you next time. Peace. Later. Screaming out Bankai. We just some ghouls though. Who likes seeing parts fly?